Well, now I know what Sidney Powell meant when she said the evidence seems to be coming in as if through a fire hose. And boy, is it ever. Is it ever. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury. And welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the podcast by going to the iTunes App Store and simply searching out NP Online. And you can subscribe that way. If you have an Android device, we are hoping to get the podcast into the Google Play Store very soon. But in the meantime, you can go to the Google Play Store, download the free Podbean app. And with that app, you can listen to the show and subscribe to the show just as easily. And again, as in the iTunes App Store, it is totally free. If you can, we would ask that you would leave a review for the show because it will help us to expand the show, particularly in the iTunes App Store. If you subscribe that way and leave a review, even just a short one, a sentence or two, plus your star rating, uh, that will make the podcast more readily discoverable when people search the database of the iTunes App Store for conservative content. So we appreciate that if you can do that for us. Okay, but right now, past couple of shows... I've been talking about the election. I mean, who hasn't? And the obvious massive fraud that took place during the course of the election, despite representations to the contrary on the part of the mainstream media. So I thought I would give you a breakdown of some things as this information is becoming available and getting fleshed out. And we're going to approach it on several several fronts. We'll try and go by state by state. But let's look at this general article. Now, this general uh, piece of information which I got from the Epic Times, because they're covering things that other people are not. And as I stated in yesterday's show, don't let people fool you about what the Epic Times is. It is not a conservative propaganda paper. They're passing it off as that because they don't want to admit that what they are is probably a left-wing propaganda paper, which is exactly what the New York Times is. But regardless of where it appears, these are not just editorialized articles written by any paper. These are interviews of real people. So these interviews would be the same whether they gave them to the Epic Times or the New York Times or the LA Times or the Wall Street Journal. This article covers um, information uncovered by an analyst, an analyst by the name of Matt Brainard. Now, Matt Brainard had worked for the Trump campaign back in 2016, but he had no involvement in this year's election. But he has found evidence, and you don't need a mathematical degree from MIT to understand this evidence, that could easily overturn three states. Now, just to keep things in focus and remind everybody of where we are, at present, Donald Trump stands with 232 electoral votes, and there are a number of states still outstanding. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada have yet to really be finalized because there are legal action in all of those states. So those states, despite what the mainstream media tells you, cannot be apportioned to Joe Biden. So this Matt Brainard assembled a team just days after the election to look for inconsistencies in the six contested states, the ones I just mentioned, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. Now, this group initially identified 1.25 million voter issues and followed up on them through phone calls and by cross-checking data against other databases. They found a lot of anomalies. 
they ran several analyses, people who moved out of state and still voted in the state they had left, voters who registered using a post office box rather than a residential regress, which is a, a violation, voters who requested mail-in a mail-in ballot, sent it in only for it not to be counted, and then voters who didn't request one and didn't receive one but discovered a vote had been cast in their name, and then a number of people who voted more than once, including people who are on the death index. So one of the biggest findings, and I consider this a big finding, ladies and gentlemen, because, again, some of the more sophisticated analyses uh, having to do with computer software, uh, these are going to take real experts to explain not only for the lay people, but particularly for these judges, so that they can apply the law appropriately, to really let them know what the capability of some of these software applications are in terms of being able to alter votes. Uh, and so it's going to have to be broken down and explained in a very erudite way so that people can understand it. But what this man has uncovered doesn't require that level of sophistication to understand. One of his biggest findings involved voters who had submitted a national change of address form to the post office indicating they had moved out of state, yet appeared to have voted in 2020 in the state they had moved from. Now, in Georgia, Matt Brainard's team found 138,221 such people. I'll repeat that number, 138,000 221 such people. And this represents a number much larger than the state's current vote differential. Currently, the differential in the Georgia election is 12,670 votes. So clearly, and I'm sure that a lot of these people, as is always the case with the corruption, I'm sure that a lot of these people who um, have uh, voted from the state that they currently live in while claiming they voted from out of state uh, or, or from within the state, uh, almost all voted for Joe Biden. So a lot of these votes are going to have to be cast out. And when you consider that the current margin is only 12,670 votes, that could very well put the Georgia election for Donald Trump. And so now we go from 232 to 248 because Georgia has 16 electoral votes. Now, Brainerd also said his team found people who had voted more than once. He found a lot of double voters in Nevada, a lot in Pennsylvania. And this is the part I like, where Brainerd says the analysis that his team conducted don't require any leap of faith or trust in some math magical mathematical formula. I can give you a list of the people. These are not just speculation. I can give you a list of the people, he says, who filed national change of address cards in Georgia, moving themselves to another state. And I can also show you the subsequent state voter registrations of these individuals in other states who then cast early or absentee ballots back in Georgia. I can show you the names of the people and the records of, the, of them having voted in multiple states and the raw data that the states make available. That means when he says he's got 138,000 people like this, he's got 138,000 people who said they moved from Georgia to Florida, to New York, to California, uh, any one of a number of places, to Massachusetts. And he can show you that they not only still voted in Georgia in 2020, 
but he can show you their voter records in that those states of California, Florida, New York, Massachusetts, and so forth, to show you that this is fraud. So when the Pennsylvania Secretary of State, Kathy Buchvar, says that she has found no evidence of voter fraud or mass irregularities in Pennsylvania, and while Secretaries of State in Arizona, Georgia, and Michigan have said the same, they're all full of it. Now, using Brainard's findings, a legal group on November 25th filed a lawsuit in Georgia alleging that more than 150,000 illegal votes were counted, and the suit also alleges that 43,688 legal votes weren't counted. In my opinion, in my opinion, there seems to be overwhelming evidence of systematic voter fraud in the state of Georgia, and that's without even looking at the specifics in the state of Georgia lawsuit by Sidney Powell. So there you have it. He's talking about Pennsylvania and the other states. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's continue with Georgia and look at Sidney Powell's allegations and see if in Georgia if they're serious enough to serious enough to alter the election. I already gave you what that what that assessment was of Mr. Brainerd. Now, the allegations that are made by Sidney Powell in her lawsuit are serious allegations, according to a woman by the name of Harmeet K. Dillon. She is a, um, a person in a, what would you call it, a watch group, okay, that watches these sort of things. She specializes in First Amendment rights and election law matters. She classifies the allegations that Sidney Powell has made into two groups. One is the numerous irregularities in vote counting based on procedural changes, and the allegations in this category sort of run the gambit of like uh, putting ballots in the wrong stacks, pre-printed ballots, blah, 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 uh, relying on these artifices like a pipe bursting to get people out of the uh, counting center. And the second group of allegations involves the Dominion voting machines and how easily hackable they are. And given that the narrow margin that Biden has, uh, it would be easy to compare the registration data. And she also cites the registration data work of this fellow, uh, Matt Brainard, that I, just, that I just spoke of. So it seems if you look at that in totality, the the high-tech allegations that Sidney Powell is making in her lawsuit, plus the findings that this other man, Matt Brainard, has made in several states, and particularly in Georgia, uh, and put them all together, uh, it seems pretty powerful evidence that there was massive voter fraud in the state of Georgia and that Georgia should go to President Trump. Now, let's continue on, because we are not done yet. We have a lot more to go. Now, in Pennsylvania... For those of you, we got a little bit out of sync because in Pennsylvania, um, there was public hearings on Wednesday in Gettysburg. And I remarked in the show I did on Wednesday how, how poetic it was that this, these hearings should take place in Gettysburg, where the battle that turned the Civil War in favor of the Union, the decisive battle, the decisive battle uh, was fought. This is a battle of sorts, as I said the other day but a little bit different. Now, Senator, what's his name here? Looking for his name. Senator Doug Mastriano, a Republican on the State Senate of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, has said 
that there is mounting evidence that the Pennsylvania presidential election was compromised. If this is the case, under Article 2, Section 1.2 of the United States Constitution, the state legislature has the sole authority to direct the manner of selecting delegates to the Electoral College. This power was given to the state legislature for the purpose of safeguarding the appointment of our president, specifically contemplating corruption and ensuring that the people are not disenfranchised through a corrupt election process. Now, that's right from the United States Constitution. It was placed in there by the Founding Fathers for just this sort of situation. Now, there is ample evidence of fraud in the Pennsylvania state race. Now, Pennsylvania currently has about an 80,000-vote lead for Biden. But at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night on Election Eve, with 64% of the votes counted, Trump was ahead by over 700,000 votes. Now, there were 6.5 million votes cast in Pennsylvania. So 64% of that comes to roughly 4,200,000. So ask yourself, how with 4,200,000 votes counted, a man with an over 700,000 vote lead sees that lead completely erased with the remaining 2,300,000 ballots yet to be counted and turned into an 80,000 vote vote, um, deficit for him where his opponent gets an 80,000 vote lead? That kind of swing, with only 2,300,000 votes left, is virtually mathematically impossible, which is exactly why the counting was halted at that point, because if they allowed it to go any further, with any more votes accumulated for Trump, because as they were counting more, his lead was growing, it would have been actually mathematically impossible. Right now, it probably stands at about a 1% or 2% chance of it ever having happened in real life. Had they gone to 68 or 70%, it would have been no chance of it ever happening. And the fraud would have been undeniable. It's practically undeniable now. So that's what we have going on in Pennsylvania. The state legislature is actually indicating that they're going to sponsor a resolution which they're going to undertake debate on uh, on Monday to try and get their own electors seated and vote for Donald Trump for President of the United States, in spite of what this corrupt popular vote says. So that's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. But we're not done yet. As many as 1.2 million votes in Pennsylvania could be fraudulent in their entirety. A man by the name of Phil Waldron, a cybersecurity expert and a retired Army colonel, dealing with intelligence and information warfare for some 30 years, according to this article, was a witness at that hearing I told you about in Pennsylvania that took place on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Waldron said that he and his team have been researching voting system manipulation issues since August. He told the committee that the voting systems in Pennsylvania and elsewhere in the United States were built to be manipulated. What he's speaking of, of course, is the Dominion voting systems and its nexus to Smartmatic because they have been um, utilized to perpetrate voter fraud 
here in the United States and other places around the world over the course of the last several decades. Mr. Waldron said, I personally debriefed the son of a Cuban intelligence officer who had firsthand knowledge of Hugo Chavez's family. For those of you who don't recall, Hugo Chavez was the former ruler of Venezuela before he died. Uh, the family members told him not to worry about the populist threat against Maduro's election in Venezuela, quote-unquote, that it was guaranteed their father had invested money to build the SGO voting system. Now, these are all uh, connections here. The SGO Corporation is UK-based and owns the Smartmatic technology. The Smartmatic technology is what's in the Dominion system. He said that U.S. voting systems like Dominion have similar code and similar function and have a common DNA to holding company SGO's Venezuelan-linked Smartmatic. So in a nutshell, these systems allow unauthorized users to cancel votes, shift votes, preload votes, vote blank ballots, all in real time and in large numbers. He also alleged that the machines were connected to the internet and have servers outside the United States. Our experts, quote, and other academics believe that up to 1.2 million Pennsylvania votes could have been altered or fraudulent. And this is what we discovered in the last 22 days. But he said that only a detailed forensic analysis would show how many Pennsylvanian votes have been manipulated. Uh, and then Sidney Powell has been talking about this the whole time, and now she has that lawsuit filed in the state of Georgia. And I think it's very, very good because you're going to see that these issues are going to be able to be replicated in other states. Now, moving on to Michigan. Michigan is a very, very funny state. Now, Michigan, believe it or not, is the state which currently has the largest margin of victory for Joe Biden. It's something on the, on the order of 154,000 votes. Uh, but don't let that throw you, because we have some very interesting things coming out of the state of Michigan. Now, this is a complaint filed against the Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And this is followed by a man named Powell. Uh, some of the allegations are repeated claims from Michigan and other states. Republican challengers were unable to meaningfully observe ballots, etc. But other claims are newer, and it's these newer claims in this complaint by Mr. Powell that I want to talk about right now. Expert witness Russell James Ramsland, Jr. is a fellow that works with the Allied Security Operations Group. Now, in the past, he has worked with NASA and MIT. Now, MIT is one of the most respected institutions of higher learning in this country, and NASA, of course, is an impeccable organization, and they don't let lunatics, fly-by-nights, and other fools work there. This gentleman, Mr. Ramslin, said there were four, not one, not two, not three, but four, physically impossible, this is in quotation marks, physically impossible spikes, totaling almost 385,000 ballots, allegedly processed in a combined interval of two hours and 38 minutes. He concluded that, quote, Dominion alone is responsible for the injection or fabrication of 290,000 illegal votes in Michigan that must be disregarded. 
This is nearly twice the number of ballots by which Biden is leading Trump, which is approximately 150,000 votes. And as is the case with all the others, you can assure yourself, ladies and gentlemen, that of those 290,000 votes, the overwhelming majority of them were for Mr. Biden and probably have no down ballot races checked off. So once again, through manipulation of systems, the margin has been moved. Now, another man, a Dr. Navad Keshiravarznia, is a Ph.D. in engineering and technology and received an advanced training from the CIA, the NSA, and the Department of Homeland Security. In his sworn statement, all part of Mr. Powell's lawsuit, he says he believes that the USB memory cards were used to facilitate administrative backdoor access to disrupt polling operations and impact ballot counting across Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Wisconsin. The expert alleged that a search of Edison Research showed that they had an Iranian server, and there are records showing China accessing Dominion voting service. Edison Research is the company that reports the vote count tabulation to Decision Desk HQ for election results. So more and more, the evidence is trickling in from all over in all these swing states. And just to show you that despite the press telling you that there is no uh, systemic corruption to report, the Michigan State Senate is set to meet Tuesday, December 1st, to hear testimony about the absentee ballot counting at the Detroit TCF Center. This is the same type of hearing that was conducted in Pennsylvania by the state Senate there. So all these senators think there's something to this. Only the mainstream media and the Biden campaign says there is not. How do these things happen? Well, if you notice, as is the case in Pennsylvania, Uh, and is the case in certain other places, these are places where the executive branch is in the hands of the Democratic Party, whereas the legislative branch is in the hands of the Republican Party. And so the the executive branches in these places were using their executive authority improperly to engineer things like ordering new voting systems, putting new machines in, uh, controlling things that they shouldn't be controlling, in an effort to skew the election results. Pennsylvania is a glaring example. This new voting system that was rushed in, Dominion, the last minute, uh, moving to certify results, doing things in violation of the state constitution. And even in Wisconsin, there is a new lawsuit asking that the Wisconsin Supreme Court to declare all drop box ballots illegal and block certification. And again, these are constitutional arguments. The lawsuit filed... November 27th, on behalf of a Wisconsin voter by the name of Dean Muller, argues that the plaintiffs, that's Dean Muller, the plaintiffs' right to a safe, free, secure, and transparent presidential election was violated in that his vote has been diluted by the counting of thousands of illegal votes placed in illegal ballot drop boxes across the state of Wisconsin. The suit says over 500 ballot drop boxes were installed in 72 counties in the state in violation of the law, arguing the Wisconsin Elections Commission 
did not have authority to approve their use. The commission's endorsement of Dropbox use amounted to enacting a new elections law, the suit argues, noting that the U.S. Constitution accords such power only to Congress or state legislatures. By doing so, the WEC gave the newly created voting process of using ballot drop boxes the imprimatur of legality. But these ballot drop boxes are part of a procedure and process that was never created through legislation by the Wisconsin legislature. In other words, you mail ballots, ladies and gentlemen, how do you do it? You mail it through a U.S. postal box. And there's a reason for that. It's an entity which has a little more control. And if you do something fraudulent by mail, you're guilty of mail fraud. And so many people are discouraged from engaging in illegality by the presence of a law that proscribes such conduct. These drop box ballots, uh, ballot boxes, are not under the purview of the post office. Just about anybody can go and collect those ballots that works for the Board of Elections. And you know what kind of corruption we can have. That's precisely what they're talking about. Now, if the state of Wisconsin uh, felt comfortable using drop box ballots, that's certainly up to them to do that, I suppose, unless it's challenged by the federal court. But the only people who can do that and authorize that is the Wisconsin State Legislature, not the State Elections Commission or not the governor. So this is going to be interesting to see how this all pans out in the state of Wisconsin. Now, what do they want them to do? They want them to reject these ballots. With all of these allegations and facts considered together, there is a new cloud of suspicion over the whole election process in Wisconsin, the suit argued, and called on the Supreme Court of the state of Wisconsin to reject all ballots submitted through drop boxes. However, identification of the ballots cast via drop boxes may not be possible. The Urban Milwaukee reporting that the Milwaukee Election Commission Executive Director Claire Woodall said on several occasions ahead of the election that clerks had no way to mark ballots returned through drop boxes. Well, if there was no way to mark ballots that were returned through drop boxes, doesn't that speak to the issue lodged by Mr. Dean Muller in his complaint that these are a bad idea, that it just fosters fraud? Now, if the drop box ballots were not segregated so that they could be identified to a legal certainty and removed, then the petitioner, and that again would be Mr. Muller, asks the Wisconsin Supreme Court to nullify the results of this whole election in Wisconsin and notify that the legislature that it must choose 10 electors who would cast presidential votes. Now, this is the second contest of election lawsuit filed with the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The Republican Party filed one on Tuesday calling for the rejection of 156,000 ballots. So I went through this rather painstakingly. I was reading... Uh, not the entire articles, but I was reading uh, selective passages that were relevant to the discussion, which I highlighted for you uh, and I could read out to you to let you know that there are many avenues that are being pursued here for this. And not all of them involve a facility or an understanding of high-tech things like the software. Some were very, very simple, like was alleged by Mr. Brainard, uh, or actually proven by Mr. Brainard in Georgia, where he says he can identify thousands upon thousands upon thousands of ballots that were cast by people who had filed change of address forms, national change of address forms with the United States Post Office, indicating they were moving or had moved 
out of the state of Georgia, subsequently registered in a different state, and voted in that state, only to have absentee ballots with their names on them appear and be counted in the state of Georgia, and all for Joe Biden. Now, you don't need, as I said before, a mathematics degree from MIT or anyplace else to comprehend and understand that simple concept. These are illegal votes. They are illegal votes. No question about it. In addition to these illegal votes, Sidney Powell, as I told you the other day, identified 96,600 ballots in the state of Georgia, absentee ballots that are listed as having been requested by particular voters and counted for those particular voters, but there is no record of those voters having returned the ballots. Why? Because those voters never requested those ballots. Those ballots were requested by people involved in this corruption and this fraud because an absentee ballot has to be requested in order for it to be generated. So you can't fill out fraudulently an absentee ballot that hasn't been requested and generated yet. So somebody generated a false request. The ballot was never meant, uh, never meant to be mailed to the person it was requested allegedly by. It was meant to be filled out by people engaged in the fraud. It was never mailed back in where it could be tracked. It was brought back in. And so there's overwhelming evidence of fraud in the state of Georgia, and there's overwhelming evidence by the sheer weight of numbers of fraud in the state of Pennsylvania. Likewise, there have been a number of people in the state of Nevada who have moved out of Nevada, filed change of residence forms, just as have been filed in Georgia, and are continuing to vote in the state of Nevada, and probably have voted in their new state. So before we go, let's just give you a quick run of the numbers, because I think it's pretty damning, and we, I'm not counting that Arizona doesn't fall either. I'm not even factoring in whether Wisconsin falls or Michigan falls. As I said in the beginning of the broadcast, Trump stands at 232 electoral votes. The 16 votes in Georgia, which it seems to me is going to have to go his way, puts him at 248. The 20 votes in the state of Pennsylvania puts him at 268. Two shy of the 270 needed to become president, one shy of the votes needed to form a tie in the Electoral College of 269 where the House of Representatives decides it. But I just told you there were major things happening in Nevada. At this point, with only two votes to go, any one of the other remaining states falling to litigation or sucked into bigger litigation by the Supreme Court if their decision is so broad and addresses issues such that it also affects pending, legislation, uh, pending litigation in the other states. Any one of the other states pushes Trump over the top. Wisconsin has 10. Nevada has 6. Arizona has 11. Michigan has 16. And there is a bunch of corruption that's been identified in all those states. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to give you more detailed information so I, I went a little slower today. I didn't go off the rails as much as I might normally when I get really excited about some of these things, which piss me off because they're so obviously corrupt. But that's the state where we are right now. So don't, don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. I, I think this thing is just beginning. I don't care what the mainstream media tells you. Do not listen. It's all part of the disinformation campaign. These things are actively ongoing, and the people that are fighting are not stopping. 
Please join us on Monday for our podcast then, where I'll be talking, taking a break from some of this election uh, business and talking about this pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, which is, which is not a pandemic. I will give you historical examples of what pandemics, true pandemics are, how we've dealt with them in the past, and why the COVID-19 pandemic, quote unquote, doesn't even come close to being one. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.